Hey everyone, happy Friday. Welcome to the Dossier Podcast with Jordan Schachtel. Uh, the Dossier Podcast has moved from Substack, where I have my publication dossier.substack.com, to call in. And it will be exclusively here and I believe also available via RSS feed if you search Dossier Podcast, it should be available on Spotify and Apple Podcast. But just wanted to start by saying um, this podcast is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. Swan is the best way to build your Bitcoin stack with automated Bitcoin savings plans and instant purchases, serving clients of any size, anywhere as low as $10 to $10 million. Make sure to check out swanbitcoin.com. I use Swan Bitcoin for my Bitcoin purchases in this insane monetary environment. Uh, I very much appreciate them being around and I don't have to facilitate purchase orders through Coinbase and all these other institutions that sell you junk. So swanbitcoin.com. And if you want to get $10 for free, use my promo code, my promo link, swanbitcoin.com slash Jordan Chactel. Just first name, last name. Anyway, um, happy Friday, everyone. It is raining here in South Florida. It has been raining every single day <laughs> this week. We just had a tropical storm come through. Um, and I'm hoping for the sun to eventually come out, but we still have freedom in South Florida and that's what really matters. I'll take the rainy days and the scorching heat for, in exchange for the freedom and the non-crazy people that reside in DC and New York and whatnot. But anyway, so this morning the inflation numbers came out, um, it was a re- it was really bad. Uh, I think not seen for decades now, and we have all of these administration officials seemingly unconcerned. Biden went on TV today and said that this is good that we have eight point six percent inflation. And what's interesting about the inflation numbers is that this is just like a statistic that's a percentage is totally made up by the government. Um, the consensus among real economists is that inflation is actually much worse. So, and then one of the major drivers of inflation is of course, you know, this, the energy policy and there's no America is in much worse shape month after month, year after year with this atrocious energy policy that's being pursued particularly by the Biden administration. I mean, I'm definitely not a person who is hopeful for the future of potential Republican leadership. I think there's a lot of downsides to just pursuing the, hey, let's elect Republicans and they will fix things strategy. But when it comes to the energy policy in the United States, there is a very clear distinction between the folks that are in charge of this regime and the opposition, or at least some of the opposition. And there's been this constant conversation um, when we see these skyrocketing gas prices. It looks like, according to AAA's gas prices, that by tomorrow we will hit $5 a gallon for regular gasoline. Pete Buttigieg says just buy a $65,000 Tesla. Oh, wait, uh, no, they actually hate Tesla. So just buy like a uh, Nissan Leaf or some piece of junk that's going to break down. And then you need to buy a $20,000 battery that was um, created with uh, 
reliable energy <laughs> in some lithium mine. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Darren. Hey, Darren, what's going on? Okay, it uh, might have been an issue with the app. Um, anyway, yeah, so gas is going to hit probably hit $5 a gallon tomorrow. Gas prices have been going up day after day, week after week, month after month. Um, there's been continuous records in the increased pricing of gasoline for like, I, I've been tracking this for several weeks now. And um, if you were to bet the over under, it, it seems like almost a sure thing that we're going to hit five bucks a gallon tomorrow. Um, premiums going up, mid grades going up, diesel's going up, new record every single day. If you go to gasprices.aaa.com, gasprices.aaa.com, you can see for yourself the, the carnage that this energy policy is causing. And while, yes, the energy companies, I think, do well when prices get this high, it, it, if you look at their, I looked at their margins the other day, and you could totally strip away all of the profits from these energy companies, and you'd still, like, so regular is 498 right now, if you took away all of their profits, you'd see gas stations selling gas at like four fifty now. So it's not like you know the, these these energy companies are are the ones that are that are crushing us at the pump. There's a real um, issue. There's a giant supply issue in the United States, and the demand is skyrocketing because like people still need to travel to work. The American economy, um, and, and some people who seemingly don't care so much about this issue say that, well, in the Nordic countries, gas is like eight bucks a gallon. So, you know, if they can live like that, then we can too. So there's plenty of room to go, but you have to remember that the American economy is very different than these, um, you know, these socialist paradises in, in Northern Europe. Um, you, the, a lot of people travel, commute to work, go much further to work. We need, um, energy a lot more than they do. So what I've been thinking about for and writing about at the dossier on Substack for several months now as a side issue is what is motivating this controlled demolition? Because I was on the fence about it for several months. Now, whether this is just incompetence, um, is the Biden administration just... Um, do they do they believe that that wind farms are, can 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 bridge the gap? But I, I've done a lot of research and writing on this front in recent months, and I've come to conclude that there are a few motivating factors. But I've definitely concluded that the controlled demolition of reliable energy in America—it's it, a very purposeful controlled demolition. It is, a, it is a feature, not a bug, that there are several reasons why they want to make energy very, very expensive. Um, and you can see in their rhetoric that there's constant hints. Mayor Pete, uh, the Treasury Secretary, Commerce Secretary, they all talk about this, quote unquote, green transition, energy transition. They have very similar names for it, but it's all about this transition away from gas to junk energy 
that they describe as renewables. And if you look at the numbers, just to cover this really quick, if you look at the numbers on the solar farms, wind farms, this stuff doesn't generate any energy and it's just toxic nonsense. The entire solar and wind energy industry is just, it, it's essentially a giant scam. It, it's worse than your, uh, you know, the, these MLM knives, knives salesmen, like at least they, they provide at least some type of product that might work. The, the solar and wind scam it is totally government subsidized. And of course, when you break, the hilarious thing about this is when you actually break down the numbers, the, um, they have to use reliable energy to, to make these wind farms and to make these solar panels. And they're usually plugged into the grid when they're, if a, if a city has too many wind farms and, and solar that is supplying the grid, they usually need to plug into reliable energy. So it's just, it's just a total scam. Once these things are set up, whether it's a wind farm or a solar farm, they do produce energy, but it, it's at an enormously costly price. Um, if we were operating in a free market system, these things would be novelty items, like having a wind farm on your property would be, it would be a novelty item. No one would pursue this stuff. There is, uh, I think that there have been, de there have been many decades where this stuff has been tried. There have been no economic breakthroughs on this front. It just, it, it's safe to conclude that solar and wind do not work like a, as a concept and anything involved, like if you're, Involved in a solar project, a wind project, you are involved in this project because you know the government may subsidize it, may increase your revenue, may increase your profit um, through through subs obvious subsidies. Like if you're buying parks or if you're turning these things on and getting government kickbacks, but also you know at, at the point of sale to the customer. So that's the only reason why this is beneficial. It's it's very similar to the COVID industry or any other industry that's government subsidized. It creates really junky products. And I, I think it, it's important for people to conceptualize that the entire the entire industry is a scam. It, it's just it's it, it doesn't work. Um, and the people in charge in Wall Street and in D.C., they know this, like they've run the numbers. They're not stupid people, but there's a, there's a lot of folks who believe in this stuff that think that this sustainable jargon is actually truthful. So, you know, I, I lived in DC for seven or eight years before I came to Florida. And I had the, uh, I guess, supposed privilege of operating amongst this crowd. So. I know how they think. So that's why that's what kind of motivated me to write about this. But the solar and wind scamming is, I think, the perhaps the primary motivating factor for this green transition. It's simply opportunist, powerful organizations that see a huge opening to get massive funds from the government. And then in addition to getting massive funds from the government, there is this mafia cartel effect where you have 
asset managers like BlackRock and Vanguard saying that if your if your business doesn't conform to ESG, environmental, social, and uh, corporate governance movement, which is basically eco-statism, then you're not going to have access to all of our capital. Good luck um, competing with us. Good luck having uh, financing for your business. Um, if you want to scale at all, there's no way that's going to happen. You need to be ESG comp- compliant. You got to buy carbon credits to prop up the wind and solar farms. You need to invest in the scam. And in Wall Street, you know, Wall Street is entirely compliant with the scam. So the idea that they're threatened by this, the only people who are pissed off by the green transition rhetoric are reliable energy companies. Like I'm sure as much as ExxonMobil wants to virtue signal about how green they are, they're being shaken down to buy carbon credits. So if you were to ask the the executives at Shell and ExxonMobil to speak honestly about what's going on here, I think that they would give you the answer that the, the entire ESG thing is just a scam to shake them down. Um, so Wall Street loves it because it can protect their interests and make them even more powerful. Um, you know, the, this green transition, there's a reason why the Commerce Secretary and the Treasury Secretary keep talking about it. You think that Janet Yellen is, um, you think that she really cares about the environment? Um, you think Gina Raimondo cares about the environment? Uh, the Secretary of Energy, what's her name? Uh, she, if you look at her comments, uh, Granholm, she is, she is absolutely, like, clueless on this issue. And that's kind of the reality of these D.C. politicians is that they are, um, you know, they're political appointees and there's an historic precedent to be fair in both in both Republican and Democrat administrations that these people that are supposed to be in charge of transportation, energy, commerce, they're really all just politicians like Mayor Pete. You think he knows anything about transportation? <laughs> so it's uh when you're hearing these things, it, it, it is, it, it's political speak. I mean, BlackRock and Vanguard have $18 trillion in assets under management. You think their executives really care about the climate hoax? I, I don't think so. I don't think that they, they spend time, they, they spend a lot of time virtue signaling about it. But the idea that like a person like Susan Rice or Joe Biden's staff cares about climate issues, uh, I, I think they know what's going on. But then it's important to recognize the reality of the Democratic base. And I think there there is a significant faction of the Democratic base that believes in this eco-justice warrior agenda. You know, they, they totally believe in climate, in the climate change narrative. Um, which again, I think the narrative, the climate change narrative is formed by people with priorities unrelated to environmentalism, so-called environmentalism, climate change movement. The, 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 the ground troops for the climate change movement are, are basically suckers. They're the marks. Um, and it is a very popular notion on, on the far left, especially this idea that the world's going to end. Um, Alex Epstein, who just wrote a new book called Fossil Future, 
he's very tuned in on this um, this category. You know, this idea that humanity and human impact is immoral and destructive. Um, I highly recommend. He's probably the most sound thinker on combating this this issue of um, you know the, the eco scorched earth movement. That the idea that any of this has any legitimacy in reality. That humans are to blame for the harming of Gaia. That they, if you just the the, the evidence for all of this stuff is so slim. It's slim to none. Um, towering dwarf thinks, do you think climate change is real? Well, I, I think the climate is always changing. So the term climate change is basically meaningless. I, I don't see it as having any, it, it's just a very simplistic term. Sure. The climate is changing. Are humans causing a change in the climate? Maybe, but are humans destroying the planet? There's no evidence that is the case. In fact, if you look at climate-related deaths, they continue to reach all-time lows. Because of human ingenuity and innovation, the climate is basically um, in, in developed countries, the climate is more and more becoming a non-factor because people have protected themselves against the climate. So I, I, I don't believe in these climate hysteria narratives whatsoever. And there's just no real data. And this idea that you have to be a climate scientist to talk about this, there's very much a COVID mania parallel where you have this very small group of isolated ideologues in this climate science movement. So specifically, if you become a so-called climate scientist, which I think is arguably not a real science because it infers that you have to believe in this climate hoax. If, you, if you're a climate scientist, and sometimes you see these polls that 99% of climate scientists believe that humans are responsible for uh, devastating climate change. It's very similar to this whole notion that public health experts need to be um, on, on, the, on the front lines of the battle against uh, a respiratory virus. And similar to climate science, you have this very narrow field of epidemiologists who believe in this idea that you can manage society to produce outcomes and you can move around human beings like they're cattle or like it's an ant farm. You have virologists, very similar thing. Um, so this whole, this whole idea of public health, climate science, to me, it's just very, it, you have to, in order to enter these fields, most people have already bought into this totalitarian narrative that you can just move human beings around and, and violate their rights in order to uh, pursue your agenda, which is a nonsensical agenda. Um, so there's a lot of interesting parallels there. But I've also been doing a lot of reporting on the World Economic Forum, and they're very big in the ESG climate movement. Um, if, if you read Klaus Schwab's books, Klaus is, um, is the president of the World Economic Forum, and his number one issue 
is, is the climate agenda. In fact, and this is how many of these people operate, Klaus makes it clear that there is no debating this issue, that even debating this issue and not accepting the you know, human-caused climate change making the world worse, if you don't accept this narrative, you're the enemy. So there's no time for debate. And the, the guy's written with his co-author like four books about this agenda. Um, but I am not convinced that the people at the World Economic Forum actually believe in this stuff. Uh, what they do care about is this idea, this stakeholder business model, where you've integrated, um, you, where you have this technocracy effect, where you integrate um, these giant corporations into the government, and you create like this one ruling uniparty that we're continuing to see the growth of in the United States and worldwide. It's to me, it's it's all it all just comes back to this play for totalitarian control. And the World Economic Forum uses these eco-warrior foot soldiers to bring about um, this agenda. So when you think about this group, which mostly operates on the far left fringe of society, the idea that we have unaffordable, reliable energy, that's a feature, not a bug. When they see <laughs> skyrocketing energy prices, they are, they are cheering it on from whatever basement they live in. Cause I, I guess that these people don't go to work and don't feel the pain at the pump or are subsidized by something. But the, uh, the, are, there are definitely the social justice warrior, climate change warriors within the Biden administration. I have no doubt, but in terms of them being in control of the operation, not so sure. And again, I'm happy to hear your perspectives and um, opinions on this matter. Really appreciate. Um, and then there's this other idea which has come onto my radar about, so again, we're talking about what is motivating the controlled demolition of American energy. I wrote about this today at dossier.substack.com and I broke down three, um, I thought the three most important factors that were motivating this, what I believe fully is a deliberate destruction of the American energy sector. So the first is this solar and wind scamming. The second is you know, this, this base on the left of these eco-justice warriors that are true believers in this agenda. And the third that we'll get to is the inflation issue. And... You have all of these Keynesian economists in the Fed, in the Treasury, Biden administration. People, by the way, who are responsible for getting us into this mess in the fir first place. So inflation soaring. We have a monetary debasement issue because the government decided to print trillions of dollars, uh, supposedly due to COVID. And this helped out their very wealthy friends on Wall Street. And elsewhere, it enriched the people who already had a lot of money, but it debased the value of folks who did not have money to invest. So they didn't catch that stock market pump. But I think that from this finance side of things, this green transition 
is probably an avenue to slow down consumption. When you slow down consumption, you can keep printing money and thus hypothetically avert an economic catastrophe because if people are doing less and becoming less productive, then the monetary debasement and inflation becomes less severe. So I found this argument very compelling because I hadn't thought about it at first. But when you have unprecedented inflation, like anything's really on the table. And the people in, in charge of the money broke the money. And now inflation is soaring. And in order to curb inflation, they want you to eat bugs, drink soy milk, <laughs> uh, you know, stop eating beef to stop the consumer, consumer price index from rising. Uh, do your part. You know, don't consume. You need to um, turn off your lights. Don't turn on your lights. Uh, don't use the sewage system. Uh, don't turn on your heat. Don't turn on your AC. You know, all of these supposedly climate-related incentives. Uh, composting. This is all, I think, related to the economic agenda. They're trying to slow down the inflation bubble. And you need to eat your, your bugs and your sludge and whatever and live like a peasant um, and don't have kids because of inflation. And the people who cause the inflation say, you know, too bad, deal with it. But I think in short, all of these forces, you know, that, that have pursued these avenues adopted the Marxist adage that the ends justify the means. So according to this doctrine, which is, um, it, it's okay to lie to people in order to bring about their utopia. So I, I think that that's what's motivating the Biden administration. All of the major forces behind this so-called green transition movement, I don't think they actually care in the slightest about the environment. <laughs> that's the interesting thing that um, brings them all together, that Joe Biden, if he has any actual thoughts, he clearly doesn't care about the environment. Neither does Mayor Pete, neither does Janet Yellen. The people at the Fed don't care about the environment. The people at BlackRock and Vanguard don't care about the environment. And what's interesting is that the Fed has also been telling people to like transition away from beef and eat their soy turkeys for Thanksgiving, which which I think gives some weight to the economic argument that they are leveraging this eco-statist movement to slow down inflation. Because I think inflation has now become a huge political issue. Because if you look at these polls, it's on everyone's radar. The Biden administration is now talking about it, even though they're bizarrely claiming that it's slowing down, even though we just saw another record number for this administration. Um, and that's even with the government, I think, artificially, um, you know, they, they manipulate the, the, C, the consumer price index on a regular basis to try to get the best number. So 8.6% was the best number that they could get. But I, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear your thoughts about this. But in my view, none of these people care about the environment. It, the, the whole climate change movement 
and the people behind it. In my view, it's a giant hoax. The industries that have been created from the climate change movement are unproductive scams. And folks shouldn't be afraid of using energy. Um, using energy is helpful to innovation and productivity. And if, if you're paying for your energy, use all the energy that you want. This whole idea that we need to collectively sacrifice for the economy, for, for the planet, it's all nonsense. So especially if you're working in a business, it, you have a tough decision to make because you either adopt the nonsensical ESG model or you stand up to these people and then they harass you and then they take your permits away. Or, and it's, um, it's just crazy that people are, are putting up with this and, um, the, the similar to all of the cop, the COVID propaganda that we saw the last two years, the climate hoax movement has been wildly successful in indoctrinating the same people. If I, I'm sure there are polls of academics where you have unanimous approval for the, for these fake narratives. Um, and among just the academic community in general, and the government. And again, while I'm not so excited to vote for Republicans for sure, because I think that they're very much responsible for the inflation, but the reality is that this war on, you know, for those of you who say that voting Republican um, may help, that I, I think that this is evidence in your favor because there's no way that this deliberate controlled demolition, this war on energy, unreliable energy would be happening um, without with like a, a Republican, at least a Republican uh, president or Congress that could stop this stuff. But yeah, I'll leave it at that. Um, hope everyone has a nice weekend. Appreciate it.